This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Grew up in the French court, we oui, wee oui, bonjour, life was a chore, so she set sail. 15, 22, came straight to the UK, all the British dudes lay. Epic fail. Ooh, I wanna dance and sing. Politics, not my thing. Ooh, but then I met the king, and soon my daddy said, You should try and get ahead. Obviously, messaging me like every day. Couldn't be better than he sent me a letter. And who am I kidding? I was pret a manger. Sent a reply. Just saying hi. You're a nice guy. I'll think about it, maybe. XO, baby. Here we go. You sent him kisses. I didn't know I would move in with his missus. Like, what was I meant to do? Sorry, not sorry about what I said. I'm just trying to have some fun. Don't worry, don't worry, don't lose your head. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. L-O-L, say oh well, or go to hell. I'm sorry, not sorry about what I said. Don't lose your head. And the little one said, if you want to be wed, make up your mind. Her or me, chum, don't want to be some girl in a threesome. Are you blind? Ooh, don't be bitter. Ooh, Cause I'm fitter. Ooh, why hasn't it hit her? He doesn't want to bang you. Somebody hang you. Uh-oh, here we go. Your comment went viral. I didn't really mean it, but rumours spiral. Sorry, not sorry about what I said I'm just trying to have some fun Don't worry, don't worry, don't lose your head I didn't mean to hurt anyone L-O-L, say oh well, or go to hell I'm sorry, not sorry about what I said Don't lose your head Try to elope, but the Pope said no he got a promotion, caused a commotion, set in motion the sea of E. The rules were so outdated, us two wanted to get X-rated. Soon excommunicated. Everybody chill, it's totes God's will. Every night on the town, just sleeping around like, what the hell? If that's how it's gonna be, baby, I'll flirt with a guy or three, just to make him gel. Henry finds out and he goes mental. He screams and shouts like, so judgmental. You damn it, witch. Mate, just shut up. I wouldn't be such a b- if you could get it up. Oh, here we go. Is that what you said? And now he's going round like, off with her head. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure he means it.
head. Kia ora, everyone. Thanks for coming along on our mad journey we call Backstage once again. Good to have you with us. I'm Mike and my friend Mel is sitting right opposite me, right over there. It is a bit of a mad journey, isn't it? Well, it varies, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes I come out of here and I think, man, we covered so much stuff. And I honestly sometimes think, did we do everything we set out to do? Did Other we times I think, well, about too much. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So if we aren't getting it right, tell us. Yeah. And you know how to reach us. Just, you know, bump into us somewhere and tell us. Last week, Mark Serbian was here. He was. Um, and he said, I spoke to him afterwards, and he said he really enjoyed that and said Good. it was a bit fun. Uh, so we must get him along again. It was great to hear of his rather convoluted but very, very interesting mm. history uh, when it comes to the performing arts, specifically about his history here in Hamilton. He's a very involved man. Yeah. Um, and just in all of his communities. And he works pretty dang hard. And I think. For those of us in the creative sector, and particularly when it comes to theatre, it's a, it's a bit of a role model to have yeah. somebody come on and say, look, these are the things I, I feel passionately about, these are the things I'm doing. I came away feeling kind of revitalised by that discussion with Mark. Yeah, what I like about Mark is that he, he's sort of unapologetically a bit of an activist, and his activism spills over into you know, his art and his work and he he is able to get by being just himself. Yeah, and, and he's always been true to that. And I he? find that really yeah. inspirational. Yeah. And Don't I love his, I I his comments about just sort of wanting to stir up a bit of trouble and prod people and that's right. make people think and that's really well, yeah, if theatre doesn't do that, what does it do? The, wow, that's exactly, exactly right. So Our we, musical of the week this week, if you haven't already tweaked from the opening number is six. I don't know and a whole I've, lot about it. I've got a whole lot of information about it. I've got a book full of information here, Mel. I'm just going to put it book. on the desk there. I will have to be a bit selective about what I say because there is quite a history. And yes. It, and it's really, really interesting. I, I'm, well, a lot I, of it's true, I, isn't it? I've really it? enjoyed doing the uh, the research this week. Mm. Well, it's based on the Six Wives of Henry VIII. That's right. And so there's a juicy story for every single one of those Six Wives. Yeah. And it's great. Cool. Um, but more importantly than that, Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars opened <laughs> on the weekend. I don't know if it's more important, but it definitely did open well, on the weekend. It is for me, because it's your triumphant return to the oh, Rivoli please. stage as an actor. It is. It is my, I don't know about triumphant, but it is, it is my return to the Rivoli Theatre stage. Um, it's been really fun, you know. For anyone who's familiar with Rivoli Theatre, and most of you will be, there's a little kissing corridor with lots of lipstick lips on it yeah. and it's been yes, funny you've got to be careful you don't bump up against it when you're in a, your a costume. pale costume <laughs> yeah um, and so it's been funny walking up and down up and down for my you know scene changes and costume changes etc as a performer mm -hmm. you know I sat in the hair and makeup room the other night getting my hair done and it was very odd to be the one sitting in the chair with no worries in the world waiting for somebody to come and tell me the time oh but it's so cool isn't it it was yeah it was actually really fun it has been really fun are you ready for your close up now Mel <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> not quite like that and not to take away from the fact that there's a whole bunch of other people in that cast all doing tremendous work oh the kids come and see the kids um, yeah. so the Baker Street Irregulars they're a kid gang helping out Sherlock Holmes helping to find him um, which was sort of canon when, in between the time when Sherlock Holmes was assumed dead in the actual stories and so the Baker Street Irregulars helped find him yeah. uh, and the kids that play the Irregulars wow they are good value they're, I can't wait to catch up with it myself yeah they're great um, been fairly busy though so it'll probably be uh, after this weekend before I get a chance to come and see it but I will yeah, I'm do. not going to miss it <laughs> guaranteed you'll be missing out if you do I know and I don't want to be that guy
And in other more exciting news, we're going to keep saying this, I think, uh, Saturday Night Fever is just about finalised casting. Yeah, gosh, we've had a, a busy couple of weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, dance audition last Friday night after a, a full weekend of auditions before that. Then we had our callbacks on Sunday. Yep. So I think we're going to be able to announce our full cast probably within the next 24 hours. Yay! Which would be really cool. And look out for that all over Facebook. And um, you'll see some familiar faces and some that are not so familiar. Cool. And it's a neat cast. It's going to be, I think, the number is about 30. That's a So it's a decent-sized cast. Yeah, that's a big cast. We were, well, it's a Christmas show, see? So we wanted it to be all about the disco, all about the dance, all about the music. Yeah. And saying that, I think there's a tremendous storyline that runs underneath it as well. And if you've ever seen the original movie, you'll understand what I mean by that. Because the, it's, a, it's a journey. This guy, Tony, goes on a journey going from being a very self-obsessed 19-year-old young guy with mm. you know nothing else but dance on his mind into quite a, a, a lot of soul-searching. Self-discovery. I, I don't want that to sound like it's going to be a really heavy thing before Christmas because it <laughs> should be all about the dance and the music and everything. But, and it will be. But there's that neat story that goes underneath it which really underpins it. Oh, how cool. And I'm so excited about getting started to work on that. Yeah, I'm excited to work on it. I'm excited for audiences to see it. What a cool what a cool end-of-year banger for Reveille. Well, I hope board. it is. Otherwise, I'll never get invited back. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of, you know, getting into things, um, I've also got geezers getting back on, into yes. gear. We have our first get-together again on the 17th of this month. I'm having quite a lot to do with um, Glenn Matthews, as you know. He's yes. directed Sherlock. And he, as for those who don't know, in the cast for geezers, and he was just talking about relearning the lines and getting back into things. Yep. He's um, one of my pivotal people who come in and, and deliver some really meaningful dialogue in, in one scene that he has to do, but nice. um, they're really cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, and I've had to, unfortunately, uh, replace two cast members who couldn't continue. So one of those was Lily Berry. Yeah, unfortunately. Are we allowed but to know who the other is? Lily and I have got a date for something else sometime in the future. And I brought into the cast uh, Marianne Kane. Awesome. To replace uh, Kim, who wasn't able to continue in her role. She's got other commitments in her life which have taken her away, which is sad about. But yeah. Marianne's going to bring uh, a different kind of energy to the role that, uh, that Kim was doing. Wonderful. And this makes no sense at all if you don't know the play and you don't know the rest of the cast, but you will get to know them as time goes on, I promise. Yeah, I can't wait to see that one. It's been a long time coming. And speaking of you being on stage, The Pillow Man. One more time this yeah. year. Uh, yes, I have been cast as, what's his name? Uh, her name, the name of the lead detective is Topolsky, Detective Topolsky, um, usually played by a man. Um, it was played by Jim Broadbent on the oh. West End. Oh, you're following some very big footsteps here. Uh, it was also played by Jeff Goldblum on, on Broadway. So, uh, yes. No pressure, Mel. Very, very, very big shoes to fill. <laughs> the biggest role I've ever played, the most lines I've ever had to learn. I bet you can do it. I'm terrified. Don't be. Uh, but it would be well read- worth the watch. Have you had a read-through yet? Yeah, so we had the read-through just this last... I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you who the cast is yet, so I won't. But um, yeah, we had a, a, re- a read-through this last weekend. Uh, and I think the cast brings a lot of weight to it. Uh, there's a there's an interesting dynamic that's brought by my character being played by a female mm. uh, because the intention is that, that character is a not very nice person and, and they say some not very nice things. Yeah. Um, so there's a really interesting dynamic brought 
Oh, I'm sure you're going to you're going to enjoy this. It's going to be a really great experience, I'm sure. Wow, I mean, yeah, we'll, de- we'll definitely plunge ourselves into it and see how it goes. Yeah, speaking about nasty stuff on stage, and me also thinking about Saturday Night Fever. Mm. There are aspects of the dialogue in Saturday Night Fever, and I know in Pillow Man as well, mm-hmm. that are not so savoury. Um, and I'm just I've been thinking about it a lot lately about how you deal with things like slurs and other unpleasant stuff in dialogue on stage and there's a few specific ones isn't like i know on the pillow man um and i won't repeat them on air because they're super bad but the the r word that you might use to describe somebody who's disabled Mm -hmm. or say the n word um which i don't need to go into too much detail or even the f word referring to somebody who's uh, homosexual you know um those are once upon a time they weren't as offensive as perhaps they are now but when was Pillow Man written? Two thousand four or five. That's quite surprising then that it's in there. Yeah, I mean, oh, the N word's not in there, but um, the R word is, okay. and so and and our director's choosing to take them out. Funnily enough, I'm doing the same thing with Saturday Night Fever. There are several racial slurs, including the N word, but others right. relating to other ethnicities as well. Yeah, and I'm just, I read it through and I thought, I I cannot do that. Just the the human in me doesn't want to do that, and yeah. I don't. I don't see the necessity for it on stage. I think we can we can demonstrate a division between two groups without resorting to that. I I think you're right. I mean, and we do now. You know, mm. the the, the N word didn't once pop up in the recent remake of West Side Story, or. Yeah. You know, it's just not necessary anymore. There are are really creative ways to get around those things, and uh, I I see no room for it anywhere. Even if you're doing something like West Side Story, which has history behind it and everything, Mm. all that gravitas, you can find ways to deal with that. It's it's interesting, eh? And I I tend to feel the same, I think, but I'm I'm trying to think of whether there would be a line for me in, in which, oh, no, we need to leave that there because that's what the writer intended. It would have to be a really specific set of circumstances and for the, yeah. for the intent to be absolutely crystal clear. And even then, I don't know if I could bring myself to do it just because of the judgment I would face mm. as, a, as the director having made that decision. But it is an interesting conversation, which we had at our rehearsal the other night, you know, mm. which, and it is written into the script. It is uh, meant to make you uncomfortable. It is meant to signify that these uh, people are, are not very nice people. There are lots of ways of dealing with it, though, as you said, and and one of them is to be on the verge of saying something, and the implication is that that's the word that's going to follow, but you get interrupted or something like that. Which is a classy way to to handle it. That's kind of where I'm going. Uh, And I don't know if that's like the the horsey's way out either. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have the answer for that, but I'm interested to know what people think and you think. Well, it would be good to get some feedback on that subject. It's a funny one, eh? Yep. But tell us, I mean, we, we're up for hard discussions and talking about interesting stuff and things that matter, and I believe this is something that does matter. Yeah, well, it's, it's just occurred to me now as we've been talking, as a playwright, had I written a word into a script, would I be pissed off if a director decided to take it out? I guess I would just never use one of those hard else lures no, in my writing. You're, you're not someone who would. No, I wouldn't. But put yourself in the situation of 40, 50 years ago, if you'd written a play and you knew that somebody was about to mount that play, how would you feel? Um, you know, in the yeah. passage of time, have you, as a as an author, looked at what your past work has been and say, um, you know, what I wrote back then really doesn't doesn't work anymore? I'd be prepared to see that changed. 
Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because I've been looking at, at, through my journey um, into getting into the Pillow Man. I, I looked for a bit of reference in video or, or just anything I could find on the internet, but there is n- there is no there's nothing from those professional productions. Oh, really? It's really hard to find any video or any. I haven't seen any. Not even really many pictures when you search it, mm. um, and I suspect or wonder if that has something to do with it. Could be, could be, be interesting to Hard find to out. Hard to know. I mean, if yeah, you never know. Yeah. There's no way. You must agree that, baby, and all the time I've been by your side, I've never lost control. No matter how many times I knew you lied, have my golden rule. Gotta keep my cool, yeah, baby. And even though you've had your fun running around with some pretty young thing, and even though you've had one song with someone who don't earn a wedding ring, no matter what I heard, I didn't say a word, no, baby. I've put up with your sh like every single day, but now it's time to sh. And listen when I say
No Way from Musical of the Week 6. You're with Mel and Mike listening to us backstage on Hamilton's Free FM 89.0. Yeah. And I want to talk about a play that I went and saw last weekend, The Golden Ass. It's a modern take on the first century novel by Apuleius, a glorious satire of its time and the only Latin novel to survive in its full entirety. Actor Michael Hurst, a friend of the show, um, brought this fantastical, hilarious and sometimes terrifying tale into the 21st century. He's rewritten lots of it to give it 21st century resonance and to make it accessible. It actually starts with him speaking in Latin when he begins. Cool. But then he goes straight into putting your fears aside and saying, right, here, here's how we're going to tell the story. It's a tale of Lucius, a young man who, driven by desperate desire and insatiable curiosity, performs an act of magic on himself and accidentally transforms into a donkey. Mm-hmm. Perilous adventures follow, of course, with Lucius falling into the hands of bandits, cultists, witches, slaves, circuses, soldiers... And much, much more. The Golden Ass is a dazzling combination of allegory, satire, and sheer exuberance, which has inspired the likes of Shakespeare, Boccaccio, Cervantes, and Keats. It remains powerfully relevant today in its plea for empathy and compassion in a world that seems to be going mad. I have to say, watching Michael Hurst in action and yet another solo thing, you know, I've I've teased him about that before about the fact that he doesn't like working with other people. (laughs) But he is a master storyteller in his own right. And if you've um, ever been a fan of his work in the past, this is one you won't want to miss in that. And be- thanks to Arts on Tour New Zealand, yep. he's taking it to all the small places around the world, around the country, around the world. Yeah, well, he probably I is. Wish, he wishes, <laughs> but definitely around the country, he's going up and down the both islands and yep. playing places like Putararu, which is where I saw Te Awamutu, which is where the world premiere was done. Nice. And he's going to Coromandel, Waihi, uh, in our region, yep. but also all over the South Island to small places around there too. So um, good on him for doing that, taking the art to the masses. Very affordable and a fantastic couple of hours of entertainment. So you can book your tickets for that and also other things that are on around the place. I'm going to give you a non-exhaustive list of what's coming up around the place soonish. Let's do it. At the Meteor, That Bloody Woman is coming up, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chewin for Bold Theatre. That opens in August, which is right around the corner. And The Pillow Man by Martin McDonough directed by Jason Wing for Wing Valley Productions comes up in October. Riverley Theatre has Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Regulars, directed by Glenn Matthews for Hamilton Playbox, on now and hugely popular, running until July the 16th. Geezers, which I'm directing for Hamilton Playbox, is opening on August 20th. And Saturday Night Fever, directed also by me. Oh, God, I've got so much to do. On stage in November with tickets on sale right now. I'm going crazy. You are going crazy. Too much on your plate. At Clarence Street Theatre, Shrek the Musical is coming up, directed by Nick Wilkinson. That opens July 19th and runs until the 23rd. And Krishnan's Dairy, presented by Indian Inc., is coming back September the 8th until the 10th. And if you haven't seen Krishnan's Dairy, this is going to be your last opportunity. It's his farewell tour. Is it? Yeah, never going to be done again. Wow. 25 years since they first did it. Is that right? Yeah. Navarra Lounge, open mic night tonight. Doors open at six. Bookings to perform are essential, but it's great to go along and just uh, rub a neck. Yep. Have a look at what the uh, local talent is that's coming up on stage. Greg Johnson's New Zealand tour is uh, at Navarra on Thursday night at eight. And Evan Reese and Stereo Streets presents The Wonder Tour this Friday at eight o'clock. At the Woolshed Theatre in Te Aumuru, the Farndale Avenue Housing Estate, what Townswoman's Guild Dramatic Society's production of Macbeth, that's the title of the show, presented by Te Aumuru Light Operatic Society and opens in September. 
Te Aroha Little Theatre, Death in Taxes, April Phillips play, opens July the 21st. At the Gaslight Theatre, The Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bovell and directed by Chrissy Hodkinson, featuring my wife Kate Martin Booker, that opens July 30th and runs until August 13th. Maramara Dramatic Society is one of the places where you'll catch the Golden Ass with Michael Hurst. The date for that one is July the 23rd, one night only. Patadaru Theatre Players have The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie coming up. That opens in September. Rotorua Musical Theatre, streaking through the 70s, directed by Shona Clout, opens July the 15th, runs to the 30th. The Oni Fedor Society of Performing Arts are also hosting The Golden Ass, starring Michael Hurst, for one night only on July 30th. Tauranga, 16th Avenue Theatre Puffs, directed by Laura Mansell, opening this weekend, running through to July the 23rd. And Tauranga Musical Theatre, in rehearsals for We Will Rock You. That is going to be huge, hitting the stage in September. Theatre Fakatani are right in the middle of School of Rock, the musical that was directed by Sue Harris, and it's on right now until July the 9th. Auckland Theatre Company, Long Day's Journey in Tonight by Eugene O'Neill. I know tons of people hanging out to see that. Directed by Shane Bosher, on now at Q Theatre, running to July the 30th. And Oscar Kitely's Dawn Raids is opening August 16th, runs to September 3rd. And Auckland Live has The Wedding Singer, the musical, presented by David Venn Enterprises. That plays at the Bruce Mason Centre right now until July the 17th. And The Girl from the North Country is presented by GWB Entertainment. That plays at the Civic in Auckland, also playing right now until July 16th. So much to see, so much to do. Upcoming auditions and opportunities. Melanie Ellison is a Waikato born and bred playwright. In fact, I think she comes from Pataruru. Shortlisted twice by Play Market. She's holding auditions for her latest play called Nowhere Baby. On Saturday the 23rd, email allisonmelanie55 at gmail.com for more information. As we've been spouting for the last couple of months, the Miss Cadaver Undead Beauty Pageant is still taking entries for the final ever Miss Cadaver contest. Entries close August 1st, and you can email sandrajensen99 at yahoo.com for more information. Auditions have also been announced for Grease by Sprouting Rice Productions, directed by Carl Chuan. That's going to be at Clarence Street Theatre, and auditions are on uh, Saturday, August the 6th. Check out the auditions page on Facebook. Hamilton Gardens Arts Festival are calling for expressions of interest from performers and performance groups with some kind of performance art, theatre, music, dance to exhibit. Submissions are open until July 15th and you can fill out an expression form at hgaf.co.nz. It'll be really cool to see what they come up with. Mm. Thames Music and Drama are auditioning for the play Legacy. That's been written and directed by Christina Walton. Auditions are July the 14th. And you can book a slot by checking out the Thames Mad Facebook page. And don't forget, if there is a show or audition opportunity you want us to spread the word about, all you have to do is tell us. Email backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or just, you know, let us know. Divorce. Died. Divorced. Beheaded. Survived. And tonight, we Glories and-
You are backstage with Mel and Mike, and thanks to the sponsorship and support of Free FM 89.0 and Creative Waikato. Musical of the week is six. Yeah. And you want to know all about it? Yeah, drag your book oh, out. My book. Here it is. Flipping through to page... We'll start at page 10. Okay. Because the first first nine pages are a lot of background information. Prologue. It's a British musical comedy with book, music and lyrics by Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss. It's a modern retelling of the lives of the six wives of Henry VIII, presented as a pop concert. As the queens take turns singing and telling their story to see who suffered the most at Henry's hands and should therefore become the group's lead singer. So Ah. they're auditioning for a lead singer of the band by I guess singing for sympathy <laughs> Toby Marlowe was selected in late 2016 by Cambridge University Musical Theatre Society to write a new musical to be performed at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe the next summer and the idea for what became Six came to Marlowe while he was studying in his final year at Cambridge University the initial Six Wives as a concert concept occurred to him in a poetry class and he decided to get his good friend Lucy Moss involved and despite uncertainties the pair wrote part of the show while studying for their final exam and realised it was something that was going to click. Marlowe researched by reading Antonia Fraser's The Six Wives of Henry VIII and Moss viewed a documentary series called Six Wives by Lucy Worsley. At their first writing session together, they watched a 2011 Beyoncé concert and storytelling performance called Live at Roseland, Elements of Four. And over the course of about ten non-consecutive days, they established the foundation for the show. Mm. And they work the characters after a variety of real-life pop stars. So the six wives, you've got Catherine of Aragon, Anne Boleyn, Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, and Catherine Parr, are all modelled after different 21st century performers. People like that. Avril Lavigne, uh, Miley Cyrus, Lily Allen, Beyonce, Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Hudson, who else have we got? Adele Sear, Rihanna, Celine Dion. They've mixed up elements of all of those different performers and allocated them to the various wives to tell their story, Okay, which is really cool. Marlowe and Moss lamented the lack of gender diversity within the theatre industry, which caused them to focus on themes of queerness while developing this show too. They wanted a cast that was predominantly female or non-binary and the story itself to feature queer narratives in a space which they normally don't. So here's the story. The six queens introduce themselves performing at a pop concert and they tell the audience that the position of the band's lead singer will be the prize for whoever they determine had the worst experience at the hands of their common husband, Henry VIII. Catherine of Aragon recounts how Henry wished to annul their marriage and place her in a nunnery when she began lusting after Anne Boleyn, despite being loyal to him during their marriage, much to her anger. In turn, Anne Boleyn mocks Catherine about how Henry wanted her instead, but then complains of the infidelity Henry partook in, which led to Anne flirting with other men to make him jealous, and then she ended up beheaded. Mm. Jane Seymour announces it's her turn to take part, but she's mocked for having had a pretty easy time of it with Henry. But while admitting she may have been the only one that Henry truly loved, Jane claims that his love was conditional on her having produced a male heir and that she stood by him despite his many faults. Themes relating to ideas of female beauty are explored in Hans Holbein's uh, painting studio where the Queen's parody uh, a dating app by presenting a choice of three potential brides for Henry. He chooses Anne of Cleves but soon rejects her and annuls the marriage after seeing her non-resemblance to her portrait. In other words, baby, you don't mm-hmm. look like you did in your, um, in yeah. your selfie. Yeah. She makes a show of complaining about living in a beautiful palace in Richmond with an enormous fortune and no man to tell her what to do, but in reality ends up bragging about it. 
The Queen's questioned this, and Anna decides to drop out in favour of returning to her lavish lifestyle. The Queen's then belittle Catherine Howard for being the least relevant Catherine. But she, in retaliation, mentions flaws in the other's reasonings for winning. She then recounts her romantic history, having had many suitors, even as a child, and at first relishes her retractiveness. However, she soon reveals her emotional trauma and abuse that she faced in the, each of her past relationships. Mm. So it's quite a, quite a bit of depth going into here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The Queens continue to fight over who's the true winner. Catherine Parr questions the point of the competition, which defines them by their connection to Henry rather than as individuals. The queens, however, don't listen and they continue to argue. Frustrated, Parr then recalls her separation from her lover, Sir Thomas Seymour, an arranged marriage with Henry, but instead of lamenting, she acknowledges her accomplishments independent of Henry. Ah. The other queens, realising they've been robbed of their individuality, abandon the contest altogether and declare that they don't need Henry's love to feel validated as people. They use their remaining moments on stage to rewrite their stories, singing together as a group rather than as solo artists, mm. and rewriting their own happily ever afters as if Henry had never been involved. I like that. Cool, eh? Yeah, yeah, I do like I that. I really like the twist in that. In a review of the Arts Theatre production, uh, which was the original one, Dominic Cavendish of The Telegraph called the show gloriously, persuasively coherent, confident and inventive. Lynn Gardner of The Guardian wrote, It may be cloaked in silliness, but Six makes some serious points about female victimhood and survival. Go to the United States now. In a review of the Chicago production, Chris Jones of the Chicago Tribune praised the show as dynamic mm -hmm. and a blast, with a sense of humour and spirited radicalism. Marlowe and Moss are gifted comic writers, he said, and he praised the musical force of the intensely committed and talented actresses in the Chicago cast. Jones also suggested, actually, that the show could use ten more minutes of material that gets away from the plot-singing contest conceit and toward the emotional centre of the characters, but he also thought that the orchestration of the songs could be a bit more substantial to support that. He said, Six has an audience that is ready for it, in part because it gets to a complex historical paradox and treats it with verve. Mm. The memories of women in history being tied to the life of a man. The reviews of the 2021 Broadway production were positive too. Uh, Green's New York Times review of the Broadway production labelled it a critic's pick, calling it rollicking, reverberant blast from the past. Frank Rizzo of Variety said it may not be masterpiece theatre, but this six is a solid ten. Oh, see what he did there? <laughs> I do see what he did there. <laughs> Johnny Oleksinski of New York Post gave the show three stars out of a possible four, calling the songs whip-smart and catchy. The Broadway production got eight Tony nominations but only took away two of them for Best Score and Best Costume Design and that same production did pick up three Art of Critic Circle Awards for Outstanding New Musical plus Costumes and Score and add to that four Drama Desk Awards for the Ensemble, unusually, mm -hmm. plus Costume Design, Music and Lyrics. I want to give you some of the history of the production too because it is one that managed to get through the whole COVID thing mm. and has come through as, as kind of like one of the shows to to watch yeah, actually yeah. in 2022 it's been here hasn't it ah not quite not quite okay but i'll get to that shortly okay the world premiere took place at the edinburgh festival fringe in 2017 presented by cambridge university musical theater society though it didn't win any major awards it was really well received and sold out its popularity led to six being invited back to edinburgh the next summer and this time in one of the festival's larger venues 
The Edinburgh production and subsequent showing back in Cambridge attracted the attention of producers Kenny Wax and Global Musicals. The show was initially booked for four performances at the Arts Theatre in the West End, making its uh, professional debut in December of 2017, and it appeared in Monday night only weekly slots, but eventually increased that to six performances a week. Hmm. Six began its first UK tour in July of 2018 and dovetailed into the tour, a return to the uh, Edinburgh Festival and another season at the Arts Theatre before finishing that tour in December of that year in Glasgow. So it went July to December on tour pretty much. It reopened for an initial 16-week run at the Arts Theatre in January the following year, and that run was planned to be extended till January 2021, but was paused for obvious reasons in March mm-hmm. of 2020. It then became one of the first to reopen on the West End, briefly running at the Lyric Theatre in December of 2020 with plans to return to the Arts Theatre the following year, and then mid-December all London theatres went dark again. It reopened for the second time in May last year, finished its residency at the Lyric Theatre at the end of August, then reopened at the nearby Vaudeville Theatre just a month after that in September. Six had its North American premiere at the Chicago Shakespeare Theatre in May 2019 as a likely Broadway tryout, and the production broke box office records and its run at the theatre was eventually extended, and a Broadway booking was then set for 2020. The musical moved to the American Repertory Theatre in Cambridge, Massachusetts in late August and made its Canadian premiere in Edmonton in November before finishing that short tour in Minnesota in December of that year prior to its Broadway debut. In August 2019, Norwegian Cruise Lines also announced that they would be showing performances of six on three of their ships through that period at the same time. A second extended UK tour was officially announced in September of 2019. That opened in October at Guildford. The tour was scheduled to run until July 2020, finishing its run at the Birmingham Hippodrome. COVID shut down theatres, of course, but a deal was struck between the Society of London Theatre and the UK's Actors' Union, Equity, ensuring that West End and touring performers who were currently under contract would still be able to continue on those pre-existing terms and restart rehearsals or performances with revised dates once the shutdown ended. Mm. So it was a bit of a groundbreaking um, deal that Equity was able to strike. Sure, there. so they had to keep going because yeah. the actors yeah. had a contract. Cast was already contracted and they, Ooh, didn't, like that. they didn't tear them up. Yeah. In June 2020, a drive-in style tour production was planned, but it was later cancelled before opening due to the ongoing pandemic. And in April last year, it was announced that the tour would resume in June in Canterbury. Six had its Australian premiere at Sydney Opera House in January 2020. The production was originally supposed to go to Melbourne and Adelaide and, uh, later that year, but the performances were postponed. And the production reopened last December at the Sydney Opera House, ran through to April of this year. The rest of its tour, including a New Zealand leg, has been postponed, but there is a wait list for ticket holders in New Zealand, so expect it to get here eventually. Mm. Six finally began its Broadway previews in February 2020 at the Brooks Atkinson Theatre. On the day of its scheduled Broadway opening, 12th of March, 2020. Uh, yeah. We all know where that's going. In May 2021, it was announced that Six would resume Broadway preview performances starting September of last year, and it officially opened on the 3rd of October. The first new musical to open on Broadway since the beginning of the pandemic, according to Variety, its opening night was both a celebration for Broadway theatre and a testament to the show's novel use of social media to boost it along and propel it to international sensation yeah. pre-Broadway. Especially among young people, they just flock in to see it. Yeah, I I never got into it myself, but I know of a few people that have. You're listening to the music today. I think you know you get a feel for why. Yeah. 
The show's creators, Moss and Armitage, directed that production, by the way. At the original Chicago production's final show in August of 2019, it was announced that Six would return to the city at the Broadway Playhouse and was scheduled to begin in October 2021 after two postponements through the pandemic. The production was then rescheduled for the larger CIBC theatre and it ran from the 29th of March until just last weekend. So this is just the little show that keeps going, doesn't just it? Kept, just folded last weekend. Well, not folded, but just closed. It finished its run yeah. last weekend. Yeah. Then started uh, almost immediately on a new U.S. tour referred to as the Aragon Tour. Oh. And a second U.S. tour called the Berlin Tour was announced at the end of February and that is scheduled to launch at the Smith Centre in Las Vegas in September. So it is just going and going and going. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Obviously, the subject matter strikes a chord. The treatment of that subject matter strikes a chord probably yeah. more so. Yeah. And is resonant with a 21st century audience. I have to admit, um, the reason I've never... I've heard some of it before, and like my, my best friend, she's really into it, but I've just never been particularly swayed. You know, rock concert, cool, have fun with that. But, but there's more to it, eh? Now you've told me a little bit more about it, I am ever so slightly more intrigued. Then my work here is done. Your work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is all he had to say about that. I love the fact that I learn stuff every time I do this. Great bit of research going through all this, and it's a show mm. now I definitely would love to see. Really would. Must give it a proper listen through. I want to say a big thank you to Free FM, as always. We're very appreciative for hosting us here at the station. Also, thanks to Creative Waikato for sponsoring us. You can catch up on Backstage on accessmedia.nz or pretty much anywhere you get your podcast session. I mean, we go through Spotify, iHeartRadio, you know. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, they're yeah. everywhere. We're everywhere. Mike and I will be back next week with another musical of the week and some more theatre to chew on and discuss. <laughs> Generally, we, we come in here and we think, what are we going to talk about today? So this is it. Literally is everything. That's our planning. <laughs> We're going to uh, dim the lights now and finish the show with the title number, really, from the show. Six is from our musical of the week. I've been Mel, he's been Mike, and you have been backstage. Stay classy, theatre nerds. See you.
Cute, das ist gut. All eyes on me. 
no criticism. I look more right than Lutheranism. Done so hard that I'm causing a sensation. Okay, ladies, let's get in Reformation. You, you said that I tricked ya. Cause I, I didn't look like my profile picture. Too, too bad I don't agree. So I'm gonna hang it up for everyone to see. And you can't stop me cause I'm the queen of the castle. Get down, you dirty rascal. Get down. But check my prenup and go figure. Got gold chains, symbolic of my faith to the higher power in the fast lane. My horses can trot up to 12 miles an hour. Let me explain. I'm a Venus schnitzer, not an English flower. No one tells me I need a rich man doing my thing in my palace in Richmond. You, you said that I tricked you. Cause I, I didn't look like my Get down, you dirty Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.